Hello, welcome to the Comparative Agility Podcast. My name is Simon Hilton, and in this series we'll be talking with world leaders in agility to help understand how we can make continuous improvement a part of your company's DNA. In this episode, I talk with Pamela Meyer about her agility shift capability and how it can help businesses really understand the core of the agility mindset. Hello and welcome to Comparative Agility. And today with me, I have Pamela Meyer, uh, who will talk with us about the agility shift compa- uh, capability on Comparative Agility. Welcome, Pamela. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Simon. That's fantastic. So uh, um, it's uh, it's a great day here, and we've are really excited because we've been having a lot of uh, um, uh, capability uh, authors on lately about uh, actually moving the mindset up from just being a Scrum or Kanban-based framework all into the real mindset of of Agile and how we can embrace that better. So I'm really excited to. Um, shift with you here on on the podcast and uh, and learn more about your, um, your 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 the capability that you've got for us. So before we begin, just to just give us a background into you know how you came to working on Agility Shift. Yeah, so it's been uh, truly something that I've been exploring for years and years. It's really only in the last few years it's taken shape as Agility Shift. But it began with years ago, my work with agile teams actually in the arts as a theater director and producer. And one of the things that just fascinated me was seeing how nimble creative teams are, especially very often when they're working with very limited resources, but they're working out of passion and a sincere ability and often very tight deadlines to create and innovate together. many of them bringing in lessons they've learned from improvisational theater and other arts. And and I started studying those in greater depth and teaching many of the core concepts at university and uh, in various business settings. And it was over the years of doing that work where I felt like I became more uh, both interested in and saw so many examples of true innovation and agility that were applying concepts that sometimes came from outside of the business world. And it was uh, through that that I I became more familiar with agile methodologies as a framework and see some synchronicities there. But my work is really largely aligned toward, while it's relevant to agile with a capital A teams, it's, um, it's really meant to truly be a universal capability for any individual team or organization that wants to become more effective responding to the unexpected and unplanned and turning challenges into opportunities. Wow, that's fascinating. Um, So, I mean, I've been in many kind of classes that I've been teaching and I've had lawyers come in and I've had, um, you know, print, uh, physical print people coming in saying, oh, how do we be more agile? But you're saying that there's there's even an ability in the arts to, to, to embrace a mindset like that. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, I think those are sometimes where some of our our best lessons come from is when we get a little bit both, sometimes it's slightly out of our comfort zone, but it's also enough out of our familiar territory that sometimes when we Mm -hmm. have big ahas and um, so doing scenario play or 
even truly a, a quick improv game can help us develop a capability and a, a confidence that we might not when we're really tightly focused on a specific goal or business problem. So a lot of the work I do often is, is mixing non-traditional ways of learning and capability development with very specific business outcomes. And it's been incredibly effective over the, the years. Mm. But you also make sure that there's a, I mean, a good point that you make is about stability and flexibility is that there's there's always a core competency that you're building upon but you need to always be available to to learn and grow in that would, uh, that, would, that, would that be fair to say absolutely and i think that that was one of the things that um as i started doing more work in in business and organizational settings it became clear and of course this is clear in in all kinds of organizational settings but our, our big challenge and opportunity is to create the balance between the capabilities that ensure mm. our stability. And those are everything from our practices, certain departments are, are focused on the checks and balances and compliance. And then of course, vision, mission and values are, are core aspects that support stability. But we have to balance that with capabilities that help us be more flexible and agile and innovative. And it interestingly, I think, uh, in most business organizations tend to, especially when they encounter the unexpected and unplanned, they often double down in the things they think they can control, those, the, the mm. stability side. Whereas in, in reality, it, it's the capabilities that support flexibility that we often both don't spend as much time developing those capabilities. And, um, and we often don't intuitively go to them because we think, you know, that that's, uncontrollable area, but I think that's where I've learned a lot of lessons in the arts is in fact, there are some really specific practices that we can be more intentional about and lessons we can learn. Uh, we also are learning lessons. I've studied everything from SWAT teams and film crews and um, of course, agile teams working in software development and elsewhere. So, so we now know over especially the last 20 years that there, we don't have to leave our success to chance when we encounter the unexpected and unplanned or when a new opportunity arises on the horizon that, that we didn't expect. We can, we can be much more intentional. And, and that's really how the agility shift came to be because I started studying leaders, teams, and organizations that were being successful in the midst mm. of the unexpected and unplanned. And I saw so consistently that they weren't just flying by the seat of their pants. They were doing specific and very intentional things that, um, that helped them sustain their success, not only in very specific episodes that they couldn't have predicted, but sustain their success over time. Yeah, that's, that's really, really fascinating to think about it like that, because I think it's, it's one of the most misunderstood parts of working with agile teams is that uh, it's not all about changing everything now. There is a find balance between uh, uh, exploiting what you're good at I and mean, the explore and exploit kind of minds, uh, mental model that yes, you've always got to have something that you're actually good at and you um, well actually kind of brings in the money, but you, you staying there forever in a, in a world of change isn't going to be a long-term strategy. You always got to have those skills to, to innovate and grow and, and, but they're, they're in, they're in balance, those things. It's not one or the other, it's one and the other. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's where people both people who are afraid of agile think they won't have stability or people who 
um, you know, often startups are accused of being too agile and not having that, you know, they're yes. often yeah. uh, so opportunistic or so innovative that they, they haven't taken the time to, to get clear on where their, their core is. And, and it really is a, a, a practice of, of both that's critical. Well, I've actually been very interested in how arts organizations have responded to the new world and how we're seeing Broadway shows on YouTube. And um, I've even got a, a, uh, an in, a friend who has an in-person kind of creative writing class with, um, with school, ch school children having to pivot that into more of a global kind of Khan Academy model. So yeah. it is certainly something that's relevant to a lot of people in a lot of places. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the, the um, if there is a positive outcome of the incredible disruption we're in right now is that people really are discovering capabilities they didn't know they had. They're discovering mm -hmm. pathways to still, whether it's through the arts, through um, various business offerings and finding ways to adapt quickly. And, and the key factor is how do I stay relevant, not only true to myself and our core competencies or my, our talent or what I have to offer to the world, but how do I be sure that I adapt enough that I am keeping that relevant to the current situation and the current needs, whether that's an audience member, a school child, a, uh, a customer. So, and we're seeing mm. those businesses and, and organizations that are thriving are those that have found ways to adapt and stay relevant. Yeah, certainly. It's been, it's been a, a great, I, I don't think, it's been a big lesson for everyone that, um, you know, change is always there. Um, so you've broken it really this cycle into three kind of key kind of parts, um, awareness, assessment and action. So can you just walk us through quickly how, how you see that working inside an organization like this? Sure. So, so I, I always say that, you know, we, the, the path toward agility always starts with awareness. We have to first even in some way frame what we're talking about when we talk about agility, which of course is in danger of becoming kind of a buzzword, but the reality is whatever you call it, these, this capability and the need for it is not going away. And, and, the, and I, I describe it very broadly, not as a dictionary definition, but really almost as a performance statement. And I talk about it as the ability to respond effectively to the unexpected and unplanned and mm -hmm. quickly turn challenges into opportunities. And, and that's because this, this description or performance statement really has two components. One is that it requires adaptive agility and that that is to the unexpected and unplanned and you know certainly in the midst of COVID we're seeing tons of adaptive agility but it also requires entrepreneurial ag agility and that means being a bit forward thinking and looking on the horizon for opportunities so mm. uh, and being able to adapt quickly to things that maybe we hadn't planned before because it's tempting to always think we have to be agile in response to the negative, but we have to be agile in response to positive opportunities as, as well. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So that's, so that's the beginning part of, of awareness. And in, you know, I, I uh, frame that in, the, in terms of the need to be effective in the midst of VUCA, which many of your mm. listeners are familiar with, volatility, uncertainty, complexity, yeah. and ambiguity. And, you know, the, the, the interesting thing is most of us in business school, if you went to business school or even in your professional career, our training and even our career pathing tends to be geared toward those things that we can control, that the planning and analysis and as if that's the pathway to success, even if we might 
debate that you know, in terms of reality, it, it tends to be still to this day where most of the emphasis on education and training is in business, when in reality, in a very volatile environment, we have to at least equally develop the capabilities for individual leadership, team, organizational agility. And of course, mm. that doesn't mean we're throwing planning and analysis out the window. I mean, data analytics and big data are as important as ever but it means we have to have that adaptive capability. So that again is where that, that balance strikes. And, and I also talk about awareness is critical in the sense that we have to understand the business value. And I, in, in my book, The Agility Shift, I talk a lot about, um, you know, it's everything from um, the ROI, there's all kinds of large scale studies that have shown across industries, companies yep. that are more agile, have higher profitability, they have, uh, greater return on investment. And we, we even see everything from greater retention and job satisfaction and recruiting. I mean, it just really mm. in almost every metric, we see higher performance in agile organizations. And um, so that's part of awareness because we, we don't tend to sustain our commitment to these kinds of initiatives if we're not linking them to business success. I mean, that's Absolutely. Reality. We, we might find there are tons of humanistic returns and those are sometimes reason enough. We, we do find employees like to work in organizations where they get to grow and stretch and mm -hmm. innovate. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but that has to have a return, of course, in a, in a organization. So that's part of awareness. And it's also recognizing that the end result isn't, um, isn't necessarily even agility itself. Of, of course, we're looking at sustained success through both stable and volatile conditions. And, and so that is, is important to remember too, not to lose sight of why we're, we're doing this is, is to be mm. adaptive. And, and we simply don't see organizations, just as you said, that you can't just like, you can't drive your car and set one course and never adjust the steering wheel, even if you're on a seemingly straight road. I mean, you're always making micro adjustments. And of course that's true in, in business. So it's, it's a critical capability, which leads us then to assessment, which is our, our need to, if we agree that agility is a critical capability, then we have to get some kind of sense of where we are in our current capability. And, um, and then think of it as an as a ongoing development process. And I, I often um, liken our agility capabilities to this same relationship as we might have to our own personal fitness. You know, just mm -hmm. as we can't just go to the gym a few times or sign up for 10 sessions with a trainer and think we're fit for our lives, you know, the same is true with agility. It's like a continuous process. And that's why I, I have framed the mindset and the six dynamics that are part of the, the assessment we're talking about today is, um, I, I call them dynamics. They're not, they're not categories, they're not one and done. They're, there are dynamic capabilities that we have to consistently assess and adapt to the current conditions. So it might be that we have fantastic capabilities today for the current condition but as soon as conditions change, maybe those capabilities aren't mm. as relevant and we need to reassess and regroup and shift our strategy. And, and the same would be true if, if you switched sports or you um, had an injury and you suddenly had to adapt. I mean, so the fitness metaphor in many ways carries, um, carries over. 
Yeah, so. it's, re it's really, really important what you're saying. And I think it needs to be underlined because um, one can one can always wonder that if, oh, is change, am I done? You know, is, is, it, is it finished? Right. But I think the real breakthrough comes when you have the mindset that no change is never done. And it's an actually exponentially increasing kind of um, force. I mean, because if, if we talk about technology and how, you know, I'm sure we all remember the amount of RAM in our first computer versus what happens today. It's it's a doubling force. It's an exponential force. So, um, and, and considering that, that that technology drives consumer needs, like I never knew I could order a, a sandwich to my door from one of the best places in town via you know my my phone. That wasn't possible three or four years ago. Now it is. Um, we're only going to see that change grow and grow and grow. But I really like the way that you put it. That um, just like fitness, it may be not something that you do all, all, you don't run, you don't jog all day, every day, but right. you still need to jog regularly in order to keep your, 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 um, you know, keep, uh, strong and keep, uh, um, available inside, you know, inside the world. So in the same way, change is, I agree, is a lot like that, that it's, it's not something that is the entirety of your being, but it's something you need to keep fit in, in order to uh, survive. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And to me, that's part of what makes this so interesting is that it's not like certain, I don't know, things that we might've considered flavors of the month management wise mm. from years past that kind of people worked through them and they may or may not have gotten results, but it, they, they then moved on. It really with agility, it, it is similar that, that it's a lifelong commitment and there may be lots of ways you approach it, but in, at the end of the day, we have to continually um, regroup on our uh, on these capabilities because there's there's never going to be a time when we can just set the course and walk away in in any organization. Even the post office, the postal system used to be considered the one vestige of um, you know where routine and automation mm. was pretty immutable. And of course, we see that today, and uh, that that's not the case. So. I think, um, yeah, we, we, we see that the relevance is only increasing and that that's true whether, I, I'm always a bit agnostic in terms of any one methodology, but I do yeah. think that there are lots of ways we can approach these core dynamics, which is really why I, I chose to stay at the broader conceptual framework while giving people lots of pathways to, uh, to, to develop those capabilities, you know, and again, if we stayed mm. with the fitness metaphor, you know, there are lots of ways that, you know, we might say balance is important or flexibility is important or speed or strength or the dynamics of fitness are important, but there are lots of ways that we can develop each of those. And the same is true in, uh, in business. So, and at our teams. And so I agree. Yeah. So I don't know if this is be a good time to go. I could talk through the six, those six dynamics. If um, if that. Yeah, makes I think sense. I think so I mean we're, we're, we're coming into we've talked about awareness, assessment, and action. So the assessment part obviously is really really important where comparative agility can help. So there, let's talk about those six dynamics. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, great. And so so the assessment piece is related, it, at least in in my case, to these six dynamics as well as mindset. Mm -hmm. And then and then those naturally lead to action. So we'll we I can talk more about action once I introduce everyone to these six dynamics, uh, because you're absolutely right. They do they do fall naturally out of, you know, once we have a snapshot of where our current capabilities are. So 
So one of the things that, that with comparative agility, we've added the mindset, we, we are both able to give people some feedback on their current state of mind and the team state of mind and um, as it comes to agility. And there's interestingly, there's really great research that now is showing how critical mindset is to our ability to, to enact any of these capabilities. And you know, we certainly know that intuitively. I mean, if I'm already have a skeptical mindset or I'm not open mm -hmm. to change or I wanna stay in my comfort zone, then of course I'm not going to be the most agile person on the team. But mm -hmm. uh, so, so that's one of the key dynamics that we assess in addition to the, the six, which um, very briefly start with something that I've called the relational web. This is mm -hmm. your, your web of skills, knowledge, talent, and resources that you need to be able to access you know, quickly when things don't go as planned or a new opportunity arises. And this is much bigger than this, your social network. I mean, certainly that's part of it, but it might also be access to skills, knowledge, resource, capital. Uh, certainly in the midst of COVID, we have seen those that are adapting quickly already had a lot of those relationships built. I mean, you, you, we, we, can't, we don't tend to adapt quickly if we realize, oh, I never built that, that web or that network. Mm -hmm. And so um, this, is a, this is really a key part in one of the practices that I advocate is for people to really think about expanding and diversifying that, that relational web because it does tend to be one of the, the real critical factors. And that web is, you're talking about internal to your organization, is that correct? Well, yes, and, and it also can go well beyond. I mean, it, you, you yeah. might have resources in your web that date back to your alumni association from mm. your university days or professional networks or, um, you know, school groups from your kids, you know, parent teacher association or, um, yep. I mean, there are all kinds of things that, that, um, that link in here. And I also ask people to think about when they're, in my book, I give people a whole process of how they can map their relational web, but we also wanna look for gaps. I mean, if, if I continually go to the same three or four people or mm. resources when I encounter a problem, then I may not have a very effective web because what if either they're, they're not available or you know, we know this is true in social networks, we tend to reach out to people that are more like us. And we certainly, if, if we've raised any awareness in the past many months, at least here in the US, it's how critical it is that we diversify our networks, not only mm. because the teams are more effective when, when they're diverse, but we also get more effective uh, um, and diverse viewpoints. We see more innovation on diverse teams. So that's also a time that we can be more intentional and review our, our, not just our social contacts, but um, where we're going for, for our knowledge resources, our skills and- Yeah, I can see how this would be extremely important because if I'm a person inside an organization and I see an opportunity on the horizon, oh, wait a minute, we might need to embrace or embrace an opportunity or avoid a catastrophe. Um, okay, I've got this idea. But if I don't have the skill or the kind of even the trust to reach out to the people around within the organization, go talk to the finance guy, someone in finance, go talk to someone in sales, the, the initiatives that I that I'm willing to do and are able to produce inside the organization are quite limited because we need those cross-functional teams. Yeah. We need 
we need, if we're going to make any sort of, I mean, large scale shift inside our organization, we need help from everyone with all the different parts of the business to really to work that through. But if I'm not willing, to, if I haven't built that web and I haven't built those relationships, when I have to start them off to shoot for this initiative, it's going to be a, a slow process. So yeah, it's, um, it's yeah. so true. You, you've really nailed it. And in fact, Google did a big study um, as part of, I think their project Aristotle research, but they, they studied tons of their teams and they found that mm. the, the most effective teams had leaders that had the largest and most diverse social networks. In this case, we're mm. specifically looking at social networks, but they, one of the things that I found fascinating was one of the most consistent ways that those leaders built those networks was rotating who they had lunch with. They didn't mm. just stay within their comfort zone. They always, they reached out and, and tried to intentionally expand and diversify those networks. Now, of course, in the age of COVID, they're, that may we may feel somewhat constrained, but in some ways we have more options because mm. you know we're we're meeting. You know, I'm talking with people all over the globe and yeah. face to face, yeah. like you and I, you know, across the globe yeah. today. Everyone's um, just a button click away now. So really? yeah, so it is in, in many ways easier, and people are often way more accessible than we we think they are. So um, you're you're absolutely right that that um, this is a this is a critical capability, and it's foundational and I particularly and intentionally use the spider web as the visual metaphor for this because a spider web is not only a, a holding mechanism and of course a, a food resource for, for spiders, but it has a unique characteristic which is that it's a, able to be flexible and, and adapt mm. when there's all kinds of stress. And at the same time, it, it can snap back and maintain its, its shape and Turns out that uh, pound for pound, a spider web is actually ten times stronger than steel, and mm. uh, and yet has that flexibility capability. And that also is where that those capabilities of stability and flexibility come in. You know that we can retain yeah. our shape, but also be flexible. But that that relational web, in many ways, helps us maintain that capability. We're not in it alone. We have access to other resources, people, points of view, and uh, so it's critical to all of the other five dynamics and in fact it's woven through and they don't none of these dynamics that i'll describe briefly stand alone they're they're really um the the relational web is is woven through each of them and so it's I'll, funny there are there are technologies that support this because you can get blind date kind of apps for your yeah. business where it's like okay we'll pay youtube up from finance and sales and you guys just have a chat and it can be it can be really really uh, strengthening of that web Absolutely. And we're seeing, you know, even companies are, are creating onboarding strategies where they mm. purposefully ask people to kind of go on a treasure hunt and meet people across the organization to start to build those relationships. I love it. Everyone loves a treasure hunt. Yeah, exactly. And just to say, you, know, you only know your colleagues in finance, but you don't really understand how work gets done in the organization or mm. how to move things through, then um, you're not going to be that effective long-term. So, so th that relational web is, is really critical and foundational. And then, um, I, and I, I, I guess I like alliteration. So each of these yeah. dynamics also begins with ours. So it, uh, it turns out agile organizations also are able to stay relevant. And this is true for agile leaders and teams, meaning they're relevant to the marketplace, just as we were talking about a few minutes ago, they, they keep mm -hmm. their skills knowledge relevant. They keep their relational web relevant to 
the current conditions. But that, that, I think the key part here is that that requires investment to keep your contacts contacts relevant, to keep your uh, tech, uh, industry knowledge and technology knowledge relevant. It requires investment, and that's where the kind of the barbell 80-20 strategy from Nas and Taleb comes into it as well. You do need to reserve some of your time and invest it in these in this change fitness program as you put together. So yeah, it's really true. And you can see this is a great example of it's not a one and done area that that uh, certainly thinking even back eight, nine months ago, was what what we had built up at that time was it relevant to the challenges today. I mean, most would say they've really adapted and, and expanded based on various inputs. So that's critical. Mm -hmm. And it's also critical, of course, that leaders, teams, and organizations are able to be responsive to these changes. And this means being able to be timely and effective in their response. And those are somewhat mm. relative terms, which I describe in greater detail. But I make a critical difference between being responsive and being reactive. Reactive can sometimes mm. be that knee-jerk fight or flight response, and it might happen quickly. You can also respond very quickly, but when we're responsive, we're being more intentional. We're um, drawing on those skills, knowledge, talent, and resources. We're being more strategic and, and also really targeting top priority, high value, responsive for the, the customer stakeholders and, and have better alignment with the organization. Yeah, I, I, it's really funny because one of the, what you just pointed out there, we kind of, which I thought about was one of the things I always tell people is doing nothing is a valid response if you've considered it well. Right, mm -hmm. like you always want to reserve your energy and that 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 small amount of well, what I said that ten or twenty percent that you've got uh, saved aside for this, really focus it on high value things that are going to move the needle. Not everything's going to do that. So responsiveness yeah. feels like to me what you're saying is a considered approach to what's change, um, rather than just where a lot of people can lose their steam in, in the agile world. Is like oh we're always going to we're always going to be reacting, we're always going to be reacting, but right. is it making a difference? Yeah, and that's not sustainable, is it? I mean, no. either energetically, and and we do see people that that um, aren't able to to create that prioritization. That that we see burnout, we see frustration, and um, and I've even you know I've had conversations with leaders in agile in in organizations that are using agile methodology that say you know it's not enough just to have agile teams if we haven't laddered that up to um, clearly aligned with the greater organizational strategy and priorities, we can get so mm. scattered that we actually do end up creating a lot of um, redundancy, not positive redundancy, but a, you know, redundant work and start mm. burning people out. So Doing I think too many things. Yeah. Yeah. So that's critical. And then that leads directly to resiliency. You know, we, we have to be able to regroup quickly when things don't go as planned, but also, um, uh, have practices that keep our teams and, and leaders energized and re-energized. So those are critical capabilities to, um, to be assessing. And then the other two are, are directly related to be resourceful. And that means that, um, and these may harken back to those lessons I learned in the early days in the theater that um, we, anyone can be, do great when they've got optimal resources and abundant resources, but we're talking about um, making optimal use of available resources. Mm, and that's, mm. uh, it might be time, it might be money, it might be personnel, all, all kinds of resources and energetic resources. 
So being resourceful is that sustainable way, but it's also being clear about what are the givens we're working within? Have we identified those? Are we harnessing our best energy? Are we um, truly being resourceful? And, uh, and then finally, and this is the, the, the last dynamic is the one that I see teams have the greatest challenge with, but it's also the most important, which is the ability to be consistently reflective and this means mm. learning, learning our lessons from experience and intentionally carrying them forward. And we see that this so links to long-term sustained success. Now, of course, in most agile methodology, there's a certain amount of reflection built into every sprint cycle and in terms of the, our daily standups and our planning sessions, and of course, into the retrospectives. So that's, a, that's excellent news and what I still sometimes see even in agile teams is that we're, we're sometimes not intentionally applying those lessons learned and being sure we're carrying them forward and really, really embracing it as a spirit of, of learning and change. But broadly, well beyond agile teams, this is something that business is so aligned toward action that we often just move on to the next challenge mm -hmm. or next opportunity without taking a breath or integrating reflection and learning into the way we work and and without doing that we miss a huge opportunity so that's a that's a it turns out to be a really critical component and most of us in western culture anyway really can be challenged with that i think it can't be uh underlined more that I, I sometimes I say half of agile is just the listening and the feedback loops because mm -hmm. if you're going to be responding to change and you're not and you're so good at scrum and you're doing your sprints and you're pushing everything out every week or every two weeks but you're never actually sitting down and considering listening to how, what effect that had you're just good at delivering things not good at changing direction and being relevant so it is yeah. a critical part of the cycle as you as you as you say um, uh, but it's not always so relevant. It's not. It's not always the fun part. I think. I think a lot of people just sitting down and listening often think, "Oh, I should be. I should be in action. I should be producing and making things." Whereas the listening and and considering and uh, is, is is extremely important. Right. Yeah. No. It's re it's really true. I mean that um, it's one of the things that I've seen agile leaders really set themselves apart by doing that. That. Uh, you know, for example, I have a, a, a leader that I really admire who um, actually at Liberty Mutual, Tiffany Dodson, who, who all, so she, she'll often start meetings with her direct reports and, and she'll, she'll start out by saying, well, here's what I'm learning today. So she starts modeling her own learning. And then she asks them to tell her what she's learning. And, and that's such a great way to start and to, to think about what if that, if that becomes part of your ritual that you expect your leader or you or you expect to model every time you're interfacing with your colleagues that you're going to share what you're learning. I mean, that tells me already that we're in a, a learning culture and one where we expect to challenge our own beliefs even. You know, last mm. week I actually was really advocating for this strategy, but now with new information and a little more reflection, I'm starting to rethink this. So here's what I'm learning. And, mm -hmm. and that's such a fantastic 
approach to model. And that's something every single person, regardless of where you sit in an organization or even sole practitioners can, can adopt. Mm, absolutely. I think uh, it's almost a core skill of, um, of leadership there to, to consider new information and to change direction based on it. But it's not something we all take naturally and it will take too naturally. It is a skill that needs to be uh, worked and learned and, um, and, and, and I, I agree with you, modeling it, especially for the organization is extremely powerful because um, the leverage you get there as a leader to uh, not only you learning, but if you have all the people around you learning as well, the, 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 the ability of the organization just increases um, immensely. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, it is really true. And it does take a certain amount of interesting combination of courage and humility to mm. Be willing to to represent yourself as a leader through learning, and I and I do often actually talk about agile leaders are actually learning leaders, and and that means they are modeling. Well, and they to, to, are, to, to, sorry, go ahead. I, I'm interrupting. No, I, I mean I was just just um, going down the path of saying you know as we've been saying that they're they're willing to model learning. They're also they're willing to, and I think sometimes we in organizations we're socialized that we have to look in. 100% competent all the yes. time. Yeah. The challenge of doing that is that we then don't really model learning. Learning can be messy and we always go through a period of incompetence and awkwardness and insecurity and in learning. And where I'm seeing leaders that are really effective in their organizations is they're, they don't hide out until they can debut being expert at something they they model the the awkward process you know and the bumps and bruises along the way which is an incredible invitation to others in the organization to learn too to to you know i often frame this as being more comfortable being uncomfortable but we don't do that if it doesn't look like anybody else is ever uncomfortable and and i'm the only one who feels like i'm still learning then that's not a culture that is really supporting true agility and, and true growth, which we know is a, a constant learning culture. And, and that agility shift does need to happen at the leadership level. And um, what, one thing that kind of really piqued my mind when you were talking there was um, a part of learning is just well, leaders have to be, uh, uh, to be able to exhibit you know, fallibility. Um, it's just to say that a, a leader is always right and always has the right thing to do. He's actually modeling the whole direction and culture that we wanted, that they're right and we just do what they say, um, as opposed to the new, well, not the new, but the the, the alternative that we want in, in an agile world is where um, everybody's in that learning uh, culture. Everyone has a piece of the puzzle. Um, but so model, uh, it's important for leaders to, to, to sometimes even just say, look, I don't know, but I'm going to learn. I'm going to find out. Um, yeah. And, and, and to promote that amongst, amongst everyone inside the organization. Yeah, it's really, it's really true. And it, 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 as you say, it's really a shift from, you know, what, again, we don't see people overtly embrace, embracing this form of leadership, but it's still in a lot of organizations, this more command and control leadership mm. to, to a type of leadership that's driven more by communication, collaboration and coordination. And, and one of the, um, and certainly that's at the heart of agile teamwork, but we also um, see that this is a shift away from leadership as power over 
others from leadership that's really power to get mm. things done. You know, it's really more what we sometimes overuse the word of empowerment, but we can't really see empowered teams and self-organizing teams be successful unless leaders do shift off to the side. We sometimes also use the overworn phrase of, um, you know, from sage on the stage to guide on the side, but yeah. But truly in Agile, we know a leader is the person who helps remove obstacles, is not trying to direct behavior. And, um, but that has to be collaborative. It doesn't mean we're yeah. abdicating our responsibility. It means we're, we're going to be co-learners. I believe leaders need to couple that with good decision-making skills, but being <laughs> humble enough to say, look, I'm not ready. I don't have enough information to make this X decision. I need to learn more, just like you should. Like, I'm not going, not going to shoot from the hip. Um, when you couple those two together, you get you know, quite an effective leader when they can listen and embrace the team, helping them and and learn. But at, at some point, go okay, cool. We have the information we need. Let's we're choosing to go in this direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, and I, I do think um, you know all of us need that feedback to to get a sense of where our team is with with these capabilities and. Interestingly, with, with comparative agility, the current assessment that's now available and in, in beta test will give an entire team. So you can invite your entire team to, mm. to take the inventory and the platform compiles results and gives people a snapshot of the team. But that's really a first step and that can be good information mm -hmm. for the, the team leader. If it's a, it could be a scrum master, a product owner, could be anyone, and this is in an agile framework, but any team or, or work group that wants to take a look at itself and, and get some feedback about where their area of greatest strength is and where their area of opportunity is. And uh, so in many ways, these cycles of awareness, assessment and action are ongoing because it's, it's the assessment that then points us to where, where can I best act to improve my capability, but, um, you know, that, that cycle will continue as, um, as we keep working through it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so I guess this all boils down to the mindset as we're kind of being touching around the, the sides there. I mean, would you say that all of those things, there's all those six R's really kind of are encompassed in the, the mindset? Well, yeah, I think that's a good point in many ways that, um, you know, if, if we don't have an agile mindset, then, we're not going to be nimble in being relevant, responsive, resilient, resourceful, reflective. I mean, that, that's the, almost the gateway to everything else. And in fact, we probably won't be that intentional in expanding and diversifying our relational web because that takes mm. curiosity and that, that takes a certain humility that I don't know it all or have all of those, those resources at my disposal. And, and I can't have enough given how, how quickly things are changing. So, um, so I think you're right. If, if we haven't addressed that first, then, um, and, and ongoingly, then we won't, we won't develop the other capabilities. Yeah, I think uh, uh, as we, we're moving into a lot of these in, inside, inside our podcast series these days, but I think it's, uh, um, it can be seen as, oh, you know, uh, we've got this obviously, you know, obviously we're agile, you know, you know, we're, we're working in software and we, we, we do stand up. So of course we're agile, but we were starting to learn that there's, there's much more to it than that. And this is often where the greatest 
um, change and benefit comes from is when you actually do invest in these uh, core questions of your of the of you as a leader, as you as a team, as you as an organization, and and how you're embracing those mindsets to in in that day to day um, culture of your organization. Yeah, and it, you know, interestingly, one of the or more and more, especially in the last couple of years, I've been working with a lot of organizations that are fairly far into their agile transformation that, that they're it's either widespread across a large global organization or or well established in certain pockets and a number of teams and large organizations i've worked with have said you know we do the methodology really well mm. we've that but it's almost become just yet another operational thing like the, that they, they they've so appreciated coming back to the underlying dynamics that that support the methodology that if if we don't get to and reinvest in as you say the those core dynamics it's it we could be doing six sigma we could be doing any mm -hmm. number of processes that have a certain amount of complexity to them and not necessarily getting the results we're seeking because we aren't necessarily approaching it with that agile mindset or with that learning or orientation so it, it really is critical that we don't think about it as, oh, we're already doing Agile, so we don't have to worry about this. In fact, sometimes those are the teams that need to worry about it most because once you reach a certain amount of maturity, it's um, sometimes I've, I've seen the spirit behind the work has been lost and, and teams mm. really reinvigorate and get back <clears throat> to the humanistic core of, um, of Agile. I mean, the, the first principle of from the Scrum Manifesto is individuals and interactions over um, processes and tools, and and so we, you know, we we know it's it's people and that human element that is at the core. But we can get lost in our burn down charts and our mm. all of our <laughs> our uh, ceremonies in a way that we can lose lose that. And and forgive me for listeners who are um, who aren't practicing agile, this might sound like I'm speaking another language, but the essence is, you know, and any team, we can easily lose sight of the, um, the whole, you know, the heartbeat of the work that we're doing. And, and that's where the agility shift is really intended to bring us back to. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's such an important point that you've brought up there, because I've personally seen um, in 2020 and, and or 2019, uh, people still falling prey to just mechanically uh, executing Scrum. And okay, yeah, we're doing our stand-ups. Yes, we're doing our retrospectives, all of these things. But are they actually using the mindset to say, well, actually, we're going the complete wrong direction <laughs> because we haven't, we're not, we're not responding to change. We're not, you know, uh, all of doing all of the things that help us be navigate change at pace. Um, it's very it's very easy to fall into the oh yeah we've got this mindset and um, and and to just go through the motions as opposed to that's exact opposite of what it's trying to achieve it's supposed to have everyone clear and present and and seeing what's going on so we can ch make changes and trim as needed to be relevant in the market um, so yeah absolutely that's that's exactly it and I think it's tempting you know this is the the maybe the blessing and the curse of how our brains are wired is that that we do tend to gravitate routine and our comfort zone mm. and so even something that was intended to be disruptive and you know most people forget that 
Scrum and Kanban and all of these things really are intended. We were intended to call them frameworks, not methodologies. They're meant to be mm -hmm. containers for very dynamic approaches, um, but are, are we're wired to adopt routines. And, and yes. then once we are, we've learned it and you know it, it can be a bumpy ride sometimes adopting Agile, but then once we're doing it, uh, then it becomes routine and like all routines, then we can numb out to it and lose that wonderful dynamic disruptive nature of it. And that's, um, that's why I think there are, there are many things we can do to be sure we keep the spirit alive. And again, coming back to that fitness metaphor, you know, it's just like, even if you get the most fantastic workout routine in the, in the world, mm. most uh, fitness professionals would say, you got to keep mixing it up. You know, you've got to keep yep. Um, what worked to get you in one place, you've got to continue to adopt because even our physical bodies tend to, um, you know, uh, not uh, respond to the same thing. Again. Yeah, yeah, they'll get they get used to it exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually a really good metaphor. I've never really used that one before, but I'll have to use it in the future because it has yeah, so. Yeah, I like it. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm an amateur athlete, so as a <laughs> racer, so I I tend to use that as a. Well, it, it really fits for me because we're trying to move away from thinking to static systems to uh, a complex and always evolving systems. And that's the body is that, right? So um, exactly. It's both a metaphor and it's executed by humans that are living in these metabolic structures too. So it's both metaphor and reality in some ways. Absolutely. Great. Well, thank you for your time, Pamela. It's been a, a great opportunity to see the agility shift work that you've put together. And for anyone listening, you can sign up to a free account on comparative agility and see it for yourself. Uh, take the benchmark, see where you sit inside the agility shift uh, framework and use that to continuously improve your organization through awareness, assessment and action. Um, thank you for your time, Pamela. I believe you've got a book out, correct? Is that Yes, the, so the book is easy to remember because it's called The Agility Shift and uh, yep. will give people a great um, underpinning of the assessment. And, and so you'll, they'll see that, that the, uh, the assessment, the inventory really goes hand in hand with the book. They, they both stand alone, of course, but really recommend for people to really engage and find a pathway forward once they've taken the, the inventory to, um, to pick up the book if, uh, if they're interested in making that a part of their conversation. And people can connect with you on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and do you have a website as well? Yeah, so easy to find me at MeyerAgileInnovation.com. That's M-E-Y-E-R, and uh, or just Pamela-Meyer.com. Um, easy, easy to find out out there as uh, one of the agility thought leaders in, in something easy to google that's fantastic yeah exactly. <laughs> okay thank you so much for your time it's been really great having you here on the podcast and i hope you have a great day thank you simon it's been a pleasure okay take care bye bye